0: Welcome back. Class is in session here in lecture hall, room 101 of the Stately Apartment Academy. The Apartment Academy podcast is the multifamily's only operations focused podcast featuring insights from industry leaders, investors, vendors, and technology providers. So if you invest in multifamily real estate or you're involved in the day-to-day on-site operations of apartment buildings, we are your source for efficient operations and maximizing ROI. Today you're joining us for part two of our interview with Professor Paul, Who, if you didn't listen to part one, you're gonna to want to go back, watch, listen to that version first, and then rejoin us here for some great insights. So, do you mind talking a little bit about the economics in a sure. in a build to rent, like how those compare to our yeah
1: to our multifamily? Um, you know, traditional... it's, it's an interesting. Um... It really kind of depends. You have a couple of different ways of, of going about building it. You can use a traditional commercial builder or you can use your traditional single family builders um, and you'll get various different price uh, pricing based upon that. So from a construction standpoint um, and let's be honest right now, pricing on construction, God only knows what you're going to see tomorrow. Um, you know, with supply chain costs going through the roof, it, it's crazy how expensive it is to build these days, well above 200 feet. Uh, two hundred bucks a foot for a, a garden style suburban product. I mean, it's ridiculous.
0: As compared um, to what two uh, years ago?
1: Two years ago, maybe 150, 125.
0: Yeah, geez. I mean, that's going to blow some performers out of the water, right? Yeah.
1: So I can tell you, five, six years ago, six years ago, we we did a project. It was our most expensive product to date, and it was one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars a door. I now have product that's over $400,000 a door. Um, and that's, You
0: can't just build that. Like you, no, you, you can't. You have to be able to charge rents <laughs> rents that justify that, right? Yeah. So where are these people coming from who can pay three times the amount of rent that they were paying two years ago?
1: And that's just it, Daniel. It isn't three times. Uh, it, it's the margins have shrunk, the, yield, the yields have shrunk, the returns have shrunk. You're getting a lot of it is getting made up on the sale side with the cap rate compression. Um, it'll be interesting to me to see what happens once interest rates start to tick up. Uh, when interest rates tick up, um, obviously that's going to that's gonna eat into that yield, which is already incredibly compressed and, and reduced from what it was even two years ago. Um, you know, Two years ago, I, I was shooting for a six and a half, seven. Now I'm shooting for a five and a half, five and three quarters. Um, and if you start jacking up interest rates, that five and a half to five and three quarters gets pretty reduced pretty quickly. Um so that you five
0: that, five and a half, five and three quarters. You're talking about um return on investment. Yeah.
1: And return on cost. Yep. Um and so um, yeah, so you, you you're you're gonna start something's gotta give somewhere. Um where that is, who knows? But you are you're not getting the uptick in rents. I mean, yeah, obviously you can see the the twenty percent, thirty percent rent growth. Um I think in Phoenix year over year we're at like around 15%, depending on what numbers you're looking at, you'll see anywhere from 12 to 18%. So I call it 15. Um, that's a far cry from the cost increases I've had on the construction side. And from a dollar standpoint, they, they, don't, they don't match up. So, but rents have gone up. And that's why I think you're starting to see a whole lot. Um, you know, what does that mean from an operational standpoint? Simple, number one is we're gonna have to figure out Affordable housing, because if we don't, the government's gonna, and that's not gonna work. Um, we've all seen their programs; their programs don't work. Let's just be honest. Um, and then the second thing is, is the demands you have for services. You know, when somebody's paying eight hundred bucks a month in rent, and it's you know fifteen percent of their income, their expectations are different than the persons who's now paying fourteen hundred dollars a month, and it's taking up thirty five percent of their income they're going to expect a lot more. And you have to find a way during a labor shortage in order to to meet that requirement. And that's really the, the biggest challenge we have right now is w- keeping people, getting people, filling filling those gaps and, and providing that service um, because it does have to be an individual service at the end of the day, at least I believe that.
0: Is there, Justin, an amenity component of of the change in expectations given rising rents that sort of are you thinking about amenitizing your properties differently now as a developer than you were a couple of years ago perhaps in response to you know uh, a more demanding clientele but perhaps also in response to things that you've learned that you from from covid that you believe will will persist for example the work from home trend right, right. is that shaping and coloring the way you guys are thinking about development
1: uh, technology definitely does um bulk wi-fi you 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 know how you develop you actually need a lot more space for bulk wi-fi you need different rooms with different cooling components and, and they're not cheap i mean you have to build those rooms and you don't get to charge rent for them um the the other component you're running into like you said is from a COVID standpoint the whole work from home as well as just the overall freedom you know people people no longer have to live where they work um and and we see a lot of that we've had a huge influx of people from california and all over the country coming to phoenix especially during the winter time i mean i don't know if you watch the phoenix open but this weekend it was 81 degrees and sunny here welcome to arizona Uh, you know you might not want to be here in july but in january it's kind of the place to be Uh, and so we're, we're getting a lot of that um so we're doing a lot of the work from home individual conference rooms or work rooms if you will along with conference rooms and then technology we don't i mean think about it. 10 years ago every every decent apartment you know class a apartment in the country had a theater room we don't do theater rooms anymore you know pe- people watch them on their phones now you know they they don't need a big screen um you know so you'll see stuff like that so it's really more I don't think it's so much the expectation given the rent. You still have that. And I think that's going to be increasing in the future, especially at the ultra high-end level where I think you're going to get things like concierge-type services where they'll help you get the good hard-to-get reservation, Uh, membership-type stuff, you know, like the developer will partner with the high-end gym and, and they'll build a gym right next to the apartment where the apartment folks get to use the gym. As part of their package, whereas everybody else in the community has to pay a membership. I think you'll start to see some of that. I actually, we were doing one project. I wanted to do that with um, a restaurant, a tap room, where we're going to have you know monthly memberships for our residents uh, that we're going to, and we were going to lease the space out to a tap room. It ended up not working out, but I thought that would have been a great amenity: have a rooftop deck, garden deck, and our residents can go down there with their membership in an exclusive area and drink you know from the best local brewery in town. I thought it'd be great. Not that I'm good to me. Not that I'm promoting beer. I've talked about it twice now. So it's it's...
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I but I I like the and respect the creativity and the desire to do something that will that helps residents consider it their home. And uh, and you know we've I'm sure you've 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 read studies that show to the extent that residents have friends in their place where they live, they're, you know, X times more likely to renew. And, and that's all important stuff as well.
1: Yeah. And the renewal rates these days are, you know, if you're going back to, to build to rent, that's probably the biggest difference you'll see there. People stay and build to rent for four, five, six, seven years. That's not uncommon. And so your retentions are much, much higher in that. But we're actually seeing, retent, uh, you know, uh, people signing on and retaining tenants at a, at a much greater rate than we used to.
0: So not to nerd out on the economics again, but I just want to go back to the build the rent versus traditional sort of multifamily kind of stick build idea. Um, is the, is the, the cost to build, seems like on a unit basis, would be much less expensive on multifamily? I'm guessing. Uh, it,
1: it's, an, it's, a, it's economies of and scale. attached. Yeah, yeah. It's economies of scale. You know, obviously if I can stack four units on top, my cost to build the the units above it, it gets exponentially easier. I'm not pouring a foundation. I'm not doing other things. Um, you know, it, it's it's your your land price tends to be lower, and so your overall cost per unit is it's comparable. Um, it's comparable. Okay. Yeah, it's it's comparable. It's going to be a little bit more in the build to rent, just as you said. It's an economies of scale. If if I'm building. 150 units versus 400 units, it's obviously cheaper to build on a per unit basis The 400 units, there's no doubt about it. But if I were to build 120 multifamily units and compared to 120 um, build to rent, I think you would find that it's probably pretty close or a lot closer than you would think.
0: But a premium on rent for a build to rent though, I'm guessing.
1: We, we do about 10% premium, yep. And then on the sales side, your cap rate is a little bit more compressed. You know, I think the average bill for rent in Phoenix is probably going around 400 right now. And the average, you know, uh, garden style two, three story walk up is probably, I mean, I'm spitballing here, but I'd say probably 340. If you're talking about class A, you know, you're probably closer to 380, 390 these days.
0: And so do you see build you see the build to rent product as a trend that's that's here to stay for this, you know, for the near future Lee?
1: I do. Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, you know, like I said, when they first came out, you know, as a as a developer and operator, we kind of looked at it, turned our head a little bit like the dog, you know, looking at it saying, eh, I'm not so sure about this. Um, you know, we can understand the appeal. We always could. Um, you know, one of the biggest complaints you have in an apartment is the noise. And you kind of eliminated that, um, but you also don't have that community feel like you typically would in a regular community. Um, at the end of the day, it ended up it ended up proving itself out. It is evolving. You know, when they first came out, build around first came out, they didn't have amenities, there was no swimming pool, there wasn't any of that stuff. Um, now you're seeing that you're seeing the workout, the gyms, the pools, the community centers and things like that as the product continues to evolve and grow. Um, and I, I definitely think it's here to stay. I think it is a, a good trend.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, start, I mean, you had your colony, American homes, and your invitation of mm-hmm. just buying huge, you know, numbers of of geographically disparate homes. I mean, you can't have an amenity, but now if it's purpose built, you right. can have a different experience. Yeah.
1: Even the first purpose built ones didn't have didn't have amenity packages. The very first ones. Yep.
0: Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, let me just uh, sort of switch but, but, well and before I, I do that um, any other trends on in the construction technology side that PB Bell is watching marketing like a lot we haven't really talked a lot about marketing yet because I, um, I don't know that how much you have to to get in on the marketing side of things but any other trends you guys are watching that that you you want to share with the folks that are listening things what's, what's going be what's going to be important in the next year and a half?
1: Uh, I'll be honest with you right now. We're, we're focusing. It it really is labor. Um, It's amazing to me what a labor and and anybody who goes to Starbucks on a daily basis, I don't know if it's the same where you are, but I can tell you half the Starbucks are closed. The other half aren't doing mobile orders anymore. It's just crazy. Uh, um, You know, and so I I think that's a perfect example of what we're experiencing, not only on an operational side, but on a construction side. Um, It's, it's hard to get the subs. It's hard to get people um into into working i I don't know where these people are going um but it is difficult we've had maintenance positions posted for six months and haven't had a single person apply um that's unheard of so really that and then you add to that you know the other biggest issue that we're looking at and just kind of trying to figure out how to address it is the whole supply chain issue you know, do do I order 27 replacement washers, even though I don't need any right now, because who knows in three months if I'm going to be able to get one? Um, you know, whether it's a part, whether it's a light switch, whether it's, you know, I, I, I bought a car, I can't have the mobile charging anymore because the chip for the mobile charging isn't being made, you know, um, so it really, it, it really or the wireless charging, excuse me, it really, that's the big issue and that affects construction rehabs, it affects your maintenance, it affects everything, you know, different supplies just disappear. And how do I plan for that? Uh, because I, I, I don't know what you're reading, but the stuff I'm reading, they're saying the supply chain issues are here till 2024. And that's a long time to be dealing with it.
0: Well, that's interesting. Uh, that, even given if, if it gets resolved by 2024, is still a fleeting Problem. Whereas I think the, my guess is the, the the labor shortage is a structural issue that has changed and changed forever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and in a world where you're talking about squeezing margins and return because construction costs are going up um, f- faster a pace than rents, now you're 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 faced with the prospect of you know having to probably pay people a lot more than you used to to get them interested in the industry to get them to stay i'm guessing those things are being contemplated
1: absolutely you know my my pro formas you know i i used to i used to underwrite three years ago 1200 bucks a unit annually for salaries. i'm up to 1800 now
0: wow how how do you make room for that is it just you can't, other
1: aside my, from my caps are compressed, my yields are compressed, my rents are increasing. You know, it's, it's everything, it, it really is. Uh, because we haven't taken the, we, we haven't, nor do I think we're going to really change our model and reduce people. Our, our people are stressed enough. You know, it, it, like you said, it's hard. And, and I, I, I'd rather have three people for the residents to yell at, for lack of a better phrase, than just have the same person constantly inundated with negativity. Um, that team mentality helps. And I think it helps us be, um, you know, kind of the standard bearer in operations. And so we're, we're never going to get rid of that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to reduce and, and overwork my people. I'm not going to do that because that just doesn't work in this industry, especially given the labor issues you have. I, I, I need my folks to be happy. So they want to be here
0: is there anything you can do aside from 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 the other things you mentioned which are paramount of paramount importance which is training and recognition is 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 there any area where technology can come to the rescue here on making things quote unquote easier on your your folks on site
1: you know we're certainly looking at we actually hired recently an individual to look just at that You know, what type of software is available, what type of programs are available, what type of technology is available to make it easier on our folks to kind of take some of that burden off them. Um, It's definitely an area we're looking at technology changes all the time and and, you know, you have to be able to stay on top of that. Um, ironically enough i think a lot of it is actually increasing because you know you have these smart homes and now i've got to go explain to people how, how they work their smart home and how they work their lock and you know what do you mean you can't raise the temperature in your unit you know <laughs> uh you know and they come to me with their app questions um you know we actually in our models now we have an alexa an echo dot that literally is programmed to answer questions about about smart homes and, and how to program things so we're, we're starting to do that as a a way to try and eliminate the number of questions people ask and stuff like that. So that's the way technology is actually increasing our workload. Um, You know, it's so we're we're looking at it and we've like I said, we've hired to try and um, see if we can find some some solutions um, to eliminate um, that that uh, that burden.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, last question for you because we're running up against our time. Is there anything um, uh, bef- that you've learned since you've been in the business that you didn't anticipate? The one one thing that if you had known this one thing before you got into multifamily operations uh, that you wish you had known beforehand, what would
1: that be? This cycle was going to last forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I go back. This this has been an incredible cycle. Uh, you know, Phoenix is the number one builder next year, uh, number one builder in the country. We're bringing more units on than any other city in America. And that's on top of the 60,000 we've already put on in this cycle. It's incredible. Um, I, I think the, the other thing that I wish I would have really taken into account and would have changed some of my, not only my operational stuff, but my overall strategy as a company is there's never been an individual recession for multifamily. It's any recession in multifamily is correlated with a recession in different industries and usually multiple different industries. Um, And I think I wish I would have just been a little bit more bullish.
0: Um, Would you if you were getting into investment now is now a time to start investing in multifamily or is it now riskier than ever, given the dynamics we just discussed?
1: You know, Daniel, I am not going to answer that question because I remember in 2017, I was asked at a panel if there was anything in the last year that I regretted doing, any transaction, and I started laughing. I said, yeah, every single one. I regret not buying every property that was presented to me. I regret selling everything, and I would say that today as well. Um, You know, it it has been, the music's got to stop sometime, but I I have given up trying to predict when that's going to be. And so I would say if you want to get into multifamily, get into multifamily. It's a great business to be in.
0: Uh, wiser words are never spoken. Music has to stop sometime, but you <laughs> have no idea when that's going to be.
1: Uh, you know, and, and all the fundamentals keep pointing to this lasting at least another four or five years.
0: Yeah, maybe at least in 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 markets such as Phoenix and Southern yeah. California. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, Doctor Steltenpole, Professor Steltenpole, thanks for for <laughs> joining us today. It was a great discussion. We don't we don't often get into talking a little bit about development and and you know we we focus so much on operations. It was a real joy to to sort of take a little departure down a developer's uh, perspective on things. So thank you for taking the time to spend with us today.
1: I appreciate it. It's great talking to you. Thanks.
0: You take care. Well, that's a wrap on today's lecture with today's elbow patch festoon professor of multifamily science uh justin seltenpole uh, i hope you took good notes although the only test that you'll have awaits you every day in the leasing office we thank you for for logging and logging in and listening once again if you've enjoyed these podcasts and you feel like your management company could use a little advice from some of the professors here at the apartment academy then go to our website apartmentacademy.com and click help me We'll send you a questionnaire and provide individualized responses to your answers at no charge that I guarantee will offer you insights on ways that you can immediately improve apartment operations. Until next time, class dismissed.